don't know about you, but I'm feeling fresh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's already warm in here. Yeah. Hey, I'm Sean. I'm Russell. And this is the DC Podcast. That's right. We're going to talk about abortion today. We are. And unlike our other episodes, we're going to jump right in. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we've, we've, uh, we've talked about doing this episode before. Yeah. And it's abortion is uh, an important topic to us. Yeah. We actually met mm-hmm. outside of the abortion clinic here in North Alabama. Yeah. I saw you from a distance and I said, who's that jacked and handsome guy? Thought I recognized you. Walked up, introduced myself. The rest is history. You weren't very friendly, but we got past it. <laughs> you were distracting me from uh, trying to save babies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was just like, what's your friend time? <laughs> All right. But yeah, we're going to talk about abortion today because uh, millions of babies are killed legally in America. And uh, we think that that's sin. It's evil. God hates it. And uh, But people have a lot of arguments for why they think it should be legal, why they think it's ethically good. That's right. And Christians, I think, sometimes struggle with how to navigate, A, how to think about abortion as a Christian, and B, how to respond to the pro-abortion arguments that we often hear. Yeah. And I'm using that that language, pro-abortion specifically. Okay. Uh, I know, in contrast to? In contrast to pro-choice, okay. which is the preferred nomenclature by that side of the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, Would I th- you say that it ob- obfuscates? <laughs> yeah. I, I think that language is... Uh, is in, it's obviously intentional, yeah. but the word choice is a morally neutral uh, word. It, yeah. I mean, it often has connotations of, of moral good. Right. There are a lot of things where choice is really good and yeah. really important. Uh, and by using pro-choice, essentially that, that camp is obfuscating the, the nature of what we're actually talking about, which yeah. is killing children. Yeah. And so I don't want to give it a clean, morally neutral veneer. I want to talk about what it actually is, which yeah. is being pro-abortion or mm-hmm. anti-abortion, which, right. is, which is what I'd say to be consistent. That's what we are. Yeah, anti-abortion. You can also say that we're anti-murder, you can. anti-infanticide, whatever. Yeah. Choose your, your favorite. Okay, first bad argument. Yeah, I want to go through uh-huh. all the bad arguments. Okay, but- uh, and and they're all they are all bad arguments. Yeah. and I want to highlight just how morally and intellectually bankrupt the pro-abortion case is. Yeah. one at a time. And there's a lot of bad arguments. It's like they have to make up for the lack of quant- quality with quantity. With quantity you know, yeah. just the volume of arguments. So okay. we're gonna run through them. Number one, it's not a human being; it's a clump of cells. Right, so I can kill my baby uh-huh. because it's not really a person. Well, it's not a baby. It's not a baby. Yeah. It's just like uh, pulling a tooth or having a benign tumor cut out of me. Yeah. Cutting off a, a, a wart. Sure. Whatever it may be, it's, yeah. the, it's the same thing. Yeah. Now, before we talk about the, these specific arguments related to this argument, we're going to look at these kind of sub-arguments. We have to talk about the fact that when they say that, they are recognizing something significant. What are they recognizing? Yeah, they're, they're conceding that to be a human being if if that unborn child inside of them was actually human Mm -hmm. then there would be something wrong with abortion yeah they would be killing another human and so they're conceding that that is bad yeah and in doing so they're saying that human beings simply by virtue of being human Mm -hmm. are inherently valuable yeah they have dignity value and worth and if you look throughout history whether you're talking about nazi germany or if you're talking about the the hutus and the tutsis in africa uh, if you're talking about slavery in America, anytime somebody wants to kill somebody else unlawfully, what they do is they find a way to get rid of their humanity. So the Jews are a they're lower down on the rung of 
you know, human evolution, right? right? Uh, blacks, three-fifths human beings, we can enslave them, we can murder them. The, the Hutus thought the Tutsis were cockroaches. Right. So you eliminate the humanity, and then you can literally eliminate the human. That's exactly right. And so the, the, the desire is to be able to justify killing the unborn, mm-hmm. and so we have to find a way to dehumanize them. Yeah. Now, the problem is humanity, uh, the value of being human, it's not something that you acquire. Okay. By being a human being, you're valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're talking about what is this unborn entity inside of you? Is it human or is it not human? And yeah. the, the answer biologically, yeah. uh, stubbornly, yeah. scientifically yeah. is yes, your unborn child is a human. Right. It is a distinct living member of the human species. Yeah. And but- so in order to get around that, you've got to basically cover your ears and shut your eyes to uh, decades of modern biology, which says that, no, your baby inside you is not just a clump of cells. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to kind of just shut out common sense reasoning and and God's revealed truth on your heart that, yeah, that's a baby. Well, and it's, it's a, it's distinct. It's Mm -hmm. not you. Yeah. Right. Because it it is an entity within you. Mm -hmm. Even the the pro-abortion side will admit that. Yeah. Uh, It's living. How do you know? Because that little baby inside you has to be killed to get rid of. Yeah, that's right. right. So you have to actually cut it apart, crush her skull, mm-hmm. and remove Burn it with her. Saline. Right. Yeah. Uh, and human. Yeah. If the developing child inside of you is not human, what is it? Is it yeah, a, it's not going to grow into a plant. Is it a goat? Yeah. Right. So it's human wait, beings wait, make wait. human beings. What about that goat baby? <laughs> Moving right along. We, we can't argue from the fringes. <laughs> okay, so there are basically four kind of categories that people use when they try to argue this clump of cells argument. Okay, right. the first one, well, there's an acronym here. We're going to walk through it. SLED, S-L-E-D. The first one, S, size. size. Okay, yeah, and this so, argument goes. So basically the person who's trying to justify murdering uh, their child will yeah. say, or, or allowing others to murder sure. their children will say, how does that infant in the womb not look like me? Well, it's really small. Yeah. It's tiny. Yeah. Sometimes in you know, the very early stages of development, we're talking like incredibly small, hard to see with the naked eye. Would you say uh, the size of an ovum? There you go. Okay. And because it's so tiny, it can't be a human. Right. I must be allowed to kill it. Okay. Morally, it must be morally acceptable for me to kill it because it's so small. And when we take that and we try to apply it to other situations, it just doesn't really pan out. Yeah, and, and what you just said is exactly what you want to do, is you want to think through the the ethical assumption there that small equals morally acceptable to kill her. Right. And then look at, well, what happens when that human being develops? And now we have a toddler. Yeah. The toddler is still really small. Really small. Should I be allowed to kill another human being based on his or her size? Yeah. And there's no absolutely no example of that that we can think of where that would be acceptable we're actually more inclined to 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 be repulsed by that idea right because we recognize that when something is tiny it's defenseless it's helpless and then it needs bigger stronger human beings to to serve it to protect it to care for it we 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 you know the reason why they show dead kids when they want to stop a war is because we realize there's something tragic about this tiny thing dying that's right but when it's really, really, really tiny, now it's so tiny, it's almost like it's not real. Also, before we move on, I feel like there should be some joke in here about you being tiny <sighs> and me having the right to kill you. Trying to get past that. But I can't think of anything. I just want it to be noted that I want to make the joke. Opportunity missed. All right. L. Level of development. Mm. 
So do we say the acronym was SLED? Yeah. Yeah, so this is the L in SLED. Uh, level of development. And, and this is... When we <coughs> say that the, the child developing inside of his or her mother is a human being, distinct, living member of the human species, mm-hmm. we're not saying that they're perfectly mature. Right. We're not saying they're developed like you or I. Yeah. But even in that earliest stage of development, we are talking about a human. Sure. So you did not come from an embryo. You did not come from a fetus. Mm-hmm. You once were a fetus. That's right. You once were an embryo. Yeah. And and so, again, we can take this outside of the womb and say, well, level of development, does that change someone's value as a human being? A prepubescent child, not fully developed. Can, that, we, can we kill? Yeah. May, does that just mean that his or her life is maybe just a little less valuable than yeah. the, the 20-year-old? Yeah. I think that's... Clearly your f- absurd. Your frontal cortex isn't even fully developed until you're what, like 23, 24, something like that? Right. So you're not yeah. fully valuable as a human being. Yeah, until then. So if we apply this reasoning, again, to any other scenario, yeah. it's going to fall flat on its face as, as clearly absurd and, uh, and begging an exception where we shouldn't allow it. Okay. Next, we have E, environment. Mm. Environment, yeah. yeah. So uh, this child in my womb, I should be able to kill her because of where she is she's in my womb yeah so do we allow people to kill other people based on where they're located doesn't make any sense it really doesn't and again just step outside of this one situation apply the same moral reasoning to any other hypothetical example you don't kill people based on where they are yeah and you know i think i think the opposite could be uh of the, of the pro-choice or arg- the pro-murder argument could be argued that you know, I think you probably have uh, an extra responsibility to care for that human being because of where he or she is. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a, a place that's been designed by God to keep that human safe, to be cared for, to be nurtured. And you're just going completely in the opposite direction of that. Right. Yeah. Okay. D, dependence. Dependence. Yeah. So, well, if I remove this child from mm-hmm. my womb, this, this developing human being, yeah. she will die. This is the parasite argument. Right. So that shows that her dependence on me makes her uh, not fully human. She's not right. viable outside yeah. of the womb. That's a term you'll often hear the pro-abortion side use. Viability as sort of the, the line in the sand between it's morally acceptable to kill her and it's mm-hmm. not morally acceptable to kill her. Uh, and really what we're saying there is we're, we're applying an assumption that based on your need of someone else to keep you alive yeah that's where your value and worth and dignity as a human being come from so let's just take this and apply it to other situations like we've done in the last three uh should we be able to kill a seven month old baby does the seventh seven month old baby depend on mom for sustenance and life yeah seven month olds are incredibly dependent on yeah mothers. i mean take, literally take mommy every away every day go put him go put the seven month old in the backyard like a like a dog sure uh, come back in a couple days and maybe a day. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, probably not more than yeah. a day. And on that, a hot day, done. That child's going to die. Yeah. So children are all dependent on someone else for life. Yeah. And we can even stretch this out to what about someone who is suffering from disease or yeah. infirmity and is requiring medical intervention yeah. to keep him or her alive? Yeah. Uh, your your wife is basically living like this. Do, right. do we have the right to kill her just because she needs your support and doctor's aid in order to stay alive? And all we're doing here is we're taking these assumptions and applying them to see if the pro-abortionist is going to be consistent. Um, If you really think that someone's dependence makes them no longer valuable as a a human being Mm -hmm. and and ethically killable, well, apply that consistently. And what you'll find is they won't. 
Yeah. Because they recognize the absurdity of their own argument. And unfortunately, throughout human history, the worst, most vile evil that we have seen is is when people do try to be as consistent as possible. That's right. Um, yeah. And we're going to come to well, what happens when they are consistent yeah. on this issue. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Number two. You are not allowed to have an opinion on abortion because you don't have ovaries. Mm. Because you're a man. Now, I know what you're thinking. Just because you're a man doesn't mean you don't have ovaries. Did you just assume my gender? I am afraid to respond. <laughs> but I want to go tweet something that says men have ovaries. Men have ovaries. Men have ovaries. You know how they do just over and over again? Uh, ovary yes. and ovary, ovary again? Ovary and ovary. Oh. Come on, guys. Come on. This That's is, why you tune in. This is why you're the co-host. <laughs> I'm the co-podcaster. All right. So you're a man, Russell. What are you doing? You can't have an opinion on this. So what you'll see in this objection and in, I want to say like 90% of the arguments for legal abortion, you will see that every single one of them goes back and assumes what we've already refuted. So they all begin with the assumption that the unborn is not human. Right. And this is why it's so important for us to start on that first okay. point and to, and to basically redirect any objection back to that point. Okay. Because if... The unborn in, a, in her mother's womb is not human. If it's just like removing a tumor or pulling a wisdom tooth, then... You don't have to make this argument. Really, it's none of my business what she does with her body. Yeah. right. Because it is just a medical decision that's part of her body. Yeah, you would never go protest outside of a wart removal specialist's office. I wouldn't. And yeah. I would never presume to tell someone else what they should do with their extra teeth. Yeah, that's right. It's just, it's a morally neutral thing. But... What if that child in the womb is a human being, which we know is biologically, scientifically, theologically, it's a stubborn fact of reality yeah. that we're talking about human beings. Well, now I have a moral obligation to say something when I see someone else abusing and killing a child. Right. And that's true regardless of gender. Right. So if you, Sean, as a man, saw a woman strangling her child in a bathtub, mm -hmm. would you be like, whoa, I'm sorry, I'm a man. I can't comment on what a mother does with her child. It depends on how well behaved the child was. <laughs> no, obviously, I mean, yeah, you would run up and try to save the kid. Right, so again, this the premise of this argument is, well, it's not really a human being. And so once we've dealt with that, the argument falls apart. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, number three, if abortion is illegal, women will have dangerous back alley abortions. So number one, still assuming that abortion is not taking the life of a human being. Right. Because if it is, let's let's stretch out the logic again and apply yep. it to other scenarios. If we say murder, like gang leaders shooting each other in the streets, is dangerous, we should find a way to make these gang members able to murder one another in a safe, clean medical environment. Right. How ridiculous does that sound? Outrageous. So... When we're, when we're recognizing that abortion really is taking the life of a human being, the argument that we should find safe ways to do that is nonsense. No, it doesn't make the, any sense. The only all. murder that should be occurring is dangerous murder in back alleys. Yeah. Like We want to make sure that murder is difficult to, to do yeah. in a society. Yeah. So it really is, again, just assuming yeah. that there's no moral issue at stake here. And it should also be noted that this, this argument uh, is grounded in, in also really bad data, really, really overinflated statistics about when abortion was illegal, how many deaths resulted from back alley abortions or bathtub abortions. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's minuscule. That's I right. mean, absolutely minuscule. So uh, 
I think a question that it's, it's, it's a hard question to ask, but we should be willing to ask it is, uh, if we did legalize abortion, excuse me, if we did make abortion illegal, would it be acceptable then for 5,000 women a year to die if they tried to do an abortion in a back alley? Well, you have 500,000 human beings. Do you know how many babies are aborted every year in America? Uh, it's about 3,000 a day. 3,000 a day. So, so 3,000 dead babies a day versus 5,000. That's an arbitrary. It's probably much smaller than that even. Yeah. 500 women a year who tried to, you know, the numbers themselves kind of ethically sort the situation out. Right. And, and there's a, even, even behind that comparison where we see a utilitarian pragmatism mm -hmm. that what we're, what we're looking for here is justice. Yeah. And if you die in the process of trying to kill another human being, that is morally distinct from a death of that innocent human being. Yeah, that's right. And so we want to be clear that even if women are dying from botched attempts at killing their own children, that is really sad. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. And one death is too many. One death is too many. Yeah. And yet making it legal to kill the child so that that woman won't hurt herself is not the solution. Right. That is not justice. Right. All right. Next, women should have the freedom to do what they want with their bodies. Yeah. Stop. We've kind of already do, answered this. We one. have, but do you disagree with that statement? I agree with it. So, Russell, the complementarian, the patriarchal pastor. Oh, that the, should be your the, like uh, Instagram. The anti-abortionist. Yeah, you say that you believe that women can do what they want with their bodies. Yeah, I think they should have the right to choose oh, okay. what they do with their bodies. Okay, so that means that they can color their hair. That's right. They can get breast augmentations? If they'd like to. Sure. Ethically, you probably don't approve of it, but, uh, you know, you're free to do it. That's right. Um, yeah. Okay. They can have zero kids. They can have 20 kids. That's right. They Can Can they vote and own land? <laughs> uh, not related to what they do with their bodies, but yes. Okay. Just checking. Um, All right. So, so, man, you sound like a really progressive guy. Uh, yeah. And this just gets right back to why this obfuscation mm. through redefinition yeah. is such a problem. Because if you t if you say I'm pro-choice and women should have a right to do what they want with their bodies, great. What does that have to do with killing a child? Yeah. Nothing. And yeah. so what we're saying is, yes, you have a right to do what you want with your body, but you don't have the right to take the life of someone else who just happens to be in your body. That's right. And so, again, it just brushes past the real moral issue here. And that's why we have to redirect back to you have a human being who is distinct from you mm -hmm. living in your womb. That is not your body. Right. And we can, and as, as, as harsh as it is to hear, you know, that's not your body because in order to stop your pregnancy, you have to tear someone else's body into pieces and suck it out with a vacuum. Yeah. So that's how, you know, it's not your body. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, this again, pointing back to the fundamental issue is key. All right. Hard cases, uh, medical necessity yeah, and so rape. Two hard cases. And inevitably when you say, I, I'm a, against abortion. What you're going to uh, receive from the pro-abortion camp is, well, what about, and they're going to cite medical necessity. Mm -hmm. So if you have an ectopic pregnancy. Which is where the the egg gets caught in the tube and it can rupture and kill the mom. Right. Yeah. So you have a, a. The implanted egg. Implanted egg in a fallopian tube, yeah. which is which is dangerous. Yeah. And can kill the mother. Yeah. Um, what about that? Well. What we're talking about there is a real medical condition. It's yeah. a very dangerous medical very. condition. Yeah. And women do die from it. The CDC numbers point to something like 26 women per year die from 
ectopic pregnancies. Wait, so before you move on, mm-hmm. 26 in a nation of 300 million people, let's say how many of them women? Hundred, oh, Just over half. Just, just over half. So 150 million. 26 people. Yes. It's okay. incredibly rare. Incredible. I mean, just do the math on that. 26. Do it right now in your head. Thank you. Yeah. But 26 out of 150 million. Yeah. So, but, sorry, I know you're about to make your argument. Mm-hmm. But before you do, I just want to point out that, you know, hard and rare cases make bad law. Yeah. Right. So if something happens 26 out of 150 million times, it shouldn't be the first argument that gets thrown out in the discussion. And here's why this is important is because if a doctor is treating a woman in this condition, his his goal is to save the life of the patient. Yeah. And he technically has two patients. He has the unborn child yeah. and he has the woman. And if, if saving the life of the woman, he's looking at a scenario where this child cannot live at all. We don't even have the medical technology to yeah. implant the child somewhere else. This child will die regardless. Mm-hmm. If saving the wife of the life of the woman yeah. results in the death of that child, that is distinctly different from yeah. walking into an abortion clinic and saying, I don't want to have a baby right now. This is a perfectly viable human being. If I if I don't do anything else other than live my life, it will grow up and become a human being and exit my body. That's right. Yeah, uh, very e- distinct. Even among abortions, we're talking about less than 1% when we're talking about medically necessary abortions. Yeah. And, and more importantly, these abortions uh, where we see the child die, I mean, it's... I don't even like calling it an abortion right. because the motivation is entirely different. Yeah. Um, when we see a child die because of an ectopic pregnancy and, and the child would never have lived anyway. Yeah. Um, that was legal before elective abortion sure. was legal. Yeah. So if we made abortion illegal tomorrow, that would still be legal. Absolutely. So it really it's, it's not just a poor argument. It's a distraction from the issue, which is elective abortion. Yeah. It's women willingly killing, uh, going to the abortion doctor and having their child killed for convenience sake. Yeah. Which yeah. is the vast majority of abortions. Yeah. Now you mentioned another one. Okay. Rape. Rape, yeah. This is more common to hear even. Yeah. And the reason it's more common is because it's so emotional. And for good reason. Yeah. Rape is a terrible thing. It is a horrendously evil crime. Yeah. And sometimes rape results in an unwanted pregnancy. And the Bible takes rape so seriously that in the Old Covenant, uh, you were murdered. You know, you would be... You would be killed if you, you know, right. were caught in the act we of rape, or, or you would have to marry the one. We talked about that. Right. Yeah. We would call that retributive justice. Yeah. We would right. call that getting what you deserve. Yeah. So we absolutely sympathize with yeah. any victim of rape, especially if they have a child from that rape. And I can't imagine the, the emotional difficulty of wrestling with that. However, we can't let that difficulty change the clarity of the moral question, which yeah. is incredibly simple. Yeah. Do you kill a child because of the sins of her father? The answer has to be no. The answer unmistakably is no. And again, let's just stretch that logic out and apply it to any other scenario. You know, there are women who have been kidnapped and raped, imprisoned in basements by their kidnappers yeah. and forced to have children. Yeah. And then later they are rescued and they have a one or two year old child who is the child of this rapist. Yeah. Should they be allowed to kill that child? Well, the answer is no. Obviously. But the mom would also say that they wouldn't want to. Right. So we have... Even if it's hard. We have inconsistent application of ethical standards um, because it's a hard situation. And and again, I get that. This is something before I really understood what the Bible says about human life and human value. I was, as an atheist and even as a young Christian, was like, yeah, there's a good reason to right there to have an abortion is a, yeah. is a rapist impregnating his victim and forcing her to have a child. But yeah. 
that's not justice. No. I remember hearing somebody say one time when this came up in a conversation, uh, just because somebody took something from you doesn't mean that you have the right to take something from somebody else. Right. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. Somebody took your sexual purity and that is terrible, but you don't have the right to take a human life in light of that. Right. That doesn't bestow that right upon you. We should maybe just call this part one. Yeah. And then uh, come back for part two. Let's do it. So, hey, <laughs> let's talk about this book. Yeah. This is this is your book recommendation. This is books you should read. So this is Scott Klusendorf's The Case for Life. Klusendorf. This is. Isn't that fun? Sean's book. Yes. It's uh, my. Yeah. It's a. I really like this book. It's. It's phenomenal. It's a great resource. Yeah. So if you have any question about how you might respond to, I mean, we're, we're going through a list of objections here. We're going to get to more next episode, but there are so many little nuanced ways Uh, that people will argue about, argue about this. And, and uh, Scott does a great job of really getting into the weeds of every one of them, but he doesn't do it in a way that's hard to read. I mean, it's incredibly accessible. It's, it's really, I mean, it's not that long. You could probably read this book in about two hours if you wanted to. Um, I kind of have this system where on any given subject, um, postmodernism, atheism, inerrancy of scripture, abortion, whatever it may be, I kind of have my one go-to book, like my silver bullet book. Like if I can only give you one book, yeah. this is the book that I'm going to spend $10 on or 15 or whatever, <laughs> or 60. Because we're not sure you're going to read it anyway. <laughs> right, right. This is the one I'll give you. But yeah, this is the one I'll give you. This is my silver bullet. This is my abortion book. If, if somebody wants to think well about it, this is the book I give them. Yeah. I, I really appreciate how he does things in dialogues. So he's got yeah. actual examples of people talking back and forth and showing and breaking yeah. down how the conversations should go. Can you stop setting this book down? What? There it is. Okay. okay. Scott Klusendorf, we'll have the link in the description. Catch us next time for part two. We're going to cover about five more of these common objections yeah. and uh, continue our discussion on abortion. All right, guys. Bye.